We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to the first episode of the new season number three. (laughs) For those of you who are just tuning into this pod, my name is Dr. Kat and I'm your new best sex friend. Uh, Sex expert uh, friend. sex expert friend. And I've been host of Eat, Play, Sex since 2016, bringing you the topics that will help you to live a better sex life. Now, this is a episode that I'm really excited to share with you. It's personally a lie for me as I myself am diving and developing and deepening my own skills of intimacy, always and forever the student, and thought perhaps you could relate. And of course, right? Because we're all human having a human experience. Like every single one of us. And it's a grand old time here on earth. And we could all use a little help from our friends (laughs) and figuring all the shit out. And with that said, (laughs) you all are my dream team. I love reading your reviews and your little love notes about how this podcast has supported you over the years. Thanks for sharing me to your social media, sending links to your best friends, because this is how we change the world for better sex. So if you haven't already, hit subscribe, write me a review in iTunes. Tell me, tell me, hi, that you love me and that I, that you know that I love you. And then go over to eatplaysex.com and get my free guides to expanding your sex and love life. It's my pleasure. Really? I love this shit. (laughs) Now enough of that gabber. Let's talk about intimacy and how we are our own best cock blocks to love. Now, you've probably seen in these really fancy memes about the concept of self-love and and perhaps you've heard the one about you have to love yourself before you can allow others to love you or before you can love other people or whatever it is. And this idea of love directed towards ourself in theory seems really simple, right? We honor, we cherish, we care for this human being that resides in this physical vessel that carries us around everywhere. And we treat ourselves with kindness, compassion. We nourish ourselves with healthy relationships, healthy food, healthy podcasts like eat, play, sex. And we respect the self's natural flow of needs and we even advocate them to be met. Yet, <laughs> we have been the receptacle of information that shapes how we perceive this world, making this application of this theory way more complex than just those simple words. And these experiences throughout our lives have really defined love and our own worth in the way that then impacts how we allow it or how we receive it, how we block it. So perhaps the mind, our mind, defines love as dangerous. And as a result, erects these walls to defend against the discomfort of growing intimacy. Or maybe our mind defined love as something that's conditional. And as a result, convinces us that we must do something in order to earn or deserve to be received. Whatever it is that we defined love 
Our internal system responds as if it is true. And we act in accordance and are quote unquote rewarded by the confirmation bias that seeks out all the evidence in the environment to support this truth. And there it is again, love is for everyone except for me. And I ask all of you listeners out there, does this resonate? My hand is raised for fucking sure. (laughs) Both of them actually in the air, waving around like I just don't care. But I do care. And of course, right? Because we wonder why we don't have a relationship yet. And we blame the other people that we're dating for being shitty or the lack of people who are available and attractive to us or the quarantine preventing us from having a real date. But then this is just putting an external locus of control, meaning we are placing the power of the outcome onto other people, other extraneous variables, instead of recognizing that we have way more power in the unfolding of events than we are giving ourselves credit for. So today we're going to dive straight into the darkness of our own defenses to love and excavate the gold and apply it to healing the wounds of our past. I'm going to outline some common characters that we develop in an effort to protect ourselves, as well as strategies to strengthen our skills of love. Really exciting stuff here. And I'll even share with you my own personal story of defenses, because God knows I have not always been and, you know, continue to have these places that I discover, you know, these blind spots that I didn't even know was there. Even if we are professionals at this, We can know the signs. We can do the skills to regulate ourselves. We can do these things. And still, sometimes we discover something new. Hopefully we discover something new. If we remain that student, right? So the fear of intimacy, which is a theme that we hear about or perhaps claim as a part of our own story. And I know I have. Yet the manifestation of it reveals itself so differently across one another. And intimacy is the experience of expressing authentically what's really alive in us. You know, letting others people to see us. And then being met with compassion, with allowance, with acceptance. That feels so fucking good. And it's in the act of being vulnerable and trusting that the other person isn't going to harm us, or at least isn't going to harm us intentionally, that we get to experience the healing powers of this medicine. Intimacy is being able to share and accept, you know, our own and somebody else's inner world and experiences. And intimacy is connection. And even more, it, it begins with connection to ourself even before another person. Because we can only allow somebody in as deep as we have allowed and accepted ourselves. And the deeper we can allow the depths of intimacy with ourselves becomes reflectant in not only our relationships to others, but even our ability to experience pleasure, orgasm, sexuality, And being intimate with ourselves means looking inwards to see our old wounds and these emotional injuries, these insecurities, these shames, and all the stories that we've been telling ourselves. 
How we get here is through the powerful practice of self-inquiry and vulnerability, self-vulnerability. Now, I get that many of us can have a hard time around vulnerability because it would mean that we would have to acknowledge that we have qualities that may be less than socially ideal. And some of us have had a hard time believing that somebody else could love those parts of us. And if we want to be truly intimate with ourselves, then it will mean embracing and honoring these vulnerabilities as strengths rather than bearing them, overcompensating, putting up our defenses, which all cap our pleasure potential, our relational potential and our sexual potential. Because we're just like tied up in this little bud, not allowing anything to impact us. But that becomes painful. Maybe you've heard that quote by Anise Nen. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. So here we are, lovers, met with this crossroads. Do we stay tight in this bud, protecting ourselves, or do we allow ourselves to open, even if just a little bit? And when we've experienced these relational injuries in the past, and, and here we can look at some of those painful experiences, whether they were with caregivers or our friends or lovers, our automatic response is to want to protect ourselves or prevent ourselves from exposing ourselves to the same devastation again. And I get it. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we write false assumptions about ourselves and love and intimacy as something to be cautious of. So we build these defenses, these walls like armor around our emotional injuries. And it protects us, sure. But it also armors us from being able to really connect with who we really are and what we really want. That true deep connection with another human. These defenses can look anything like self-deflecting or self-deprecating humor or anger or being a fucking know-it-all, which was totally me, (laughs) a people pleaser, perfectionist. All of this, again, is meant to protect us from the awful feelings of our wounds or the quote-unquote evidence that would confirm the truth that we are unworthy of love or whatever it is that we told ourselves all these years about ourselves and love. Fuck, I still catch myself at times. I had a, I had slash have a tendency to intellectualize when things start to get too intimate or too emotional, where I may be expressing a vulnerable truth of mine, which might be in a moment-to-moment contraction or fear that comes up into my body, shifted into talking about how fascinating the nervous system is and how it connects with our attachment system and and just arises out of the moment to prevent attachment and and emotion. And I've totally been caught red-handed by that moment (laughs) when things start to get really emotional and soft and gooey and intimate then I'll just be like (laughs) and it's noticeable or it can be if not to us to somebody else when all of a sudden we change gears like that so how often we do these things 
even if we've done the work from an unconscious place. And we really can't get mad at ourselves. We can definitely have compassion for ourselves. And we can also engage in, in these behaviors that we call safety behaviors, which are those in which we engage to avoid situations that could potentially create embarrassment or evidence to support a negative belief about ourselves. And we can see safety behaviors as avoidance, daydreaming, numbing ourselves, deprivation, impairment, showing up late. How many of you show up late? How many of you leave early? And maybe you Irish goodbye, or maybe you overbook yourself, you overwork, or maybe you verbally acknowledge your shortcomings just so that everybody knows that you suck at this thing. So don't have any expectations of me not sucking at this thing. And the problem here is that instead of helping our anxiety or protect from our fear, it actually maintains and prolongs it. Essentially, we're just telling ourselves that if I just maintain myself between these two lines, these parameters, then I'm going to be fine. But what really happens when we enter into a situation that tests this, hiding behind our fears only perpetuates shame and dysfunctional narratives. When we stop the hurtful personal narratives, we can see that something really beautiful can happen. And we're able to relax into our own skin and show up as our authentic self, which is way less energy consuming than trying to be on all the time and be super engaging in all of this protection. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, I totally do that. But don't allow yourself to hold shame in these. Honestly, that's not going to help us to move the needle. You're not less evolved of a person because you have these things pop up. You are so human. And the experiences of these are very human. And when we are human, own we are human, we attract humanness. And it's like this permission slip for ourselves and other people to have and own their own challenges and not be perfect. The power of allowance and acceptance is such a major healing one for transmuting some of these pains and is incredibly attractive. It's magnetizing when we can allow ourselves to be in our softness and own that this is what's going on for us and allow other people to see us. And to help ourselves reach this point of acceptance and integration, I find it helpful to see how we have developed these skills to survive and get our needs met as a result of these stories and experiences that we've had and the skills that perhaps are undeveloped as a result of these stories. So let's take a look at some of these and maybe you'll resonate with one or two or maybe five. I don't know. So the first one we'll talk about is for everyone who has developed this identity of needing to be the life of the party. You know, we've gotten really good at having this high energy and fun and action and entertainment for everyone. 
all to protect against this internal belief that we don't matter. We make ourselves matter here, but all to the expense of this ability to rest, to be grounded, to be authentic. So there's your edge to practice the skills of resting, of being in the body instead of being so hyper and on the edge of yourself. Speaking and acting to what's authentic to you instead of grabbing another coffee or an energy drink or drug to keep you high and entertaining and fun and exciting to be around. Like, oh, how exhausted are you? To feel like you have to be someone else, to be in a different space or state of mind in order to be received or wanted or matter to other people. And I think this is a part that we can all connect to. You know, how many times have we abandoned ourselves and what we needed for the sake of other people and other people's attention, affection, availability? Or maybe we had this belief that we're not enough or that we have to be perfect. So we developed this persona of a masterful doer, so good at taking action, working hard, pushing through discomfort to get things done. And unfortunately, we also have the difficult time of being able to balance with play, with connection and self-care. And this is one of my biggest vulnerabilities, being so busy, so involved and trying to master everything, which I also was very good at because I could trust my efforts. I could trust my action to be able to get anything done. If I just put my mind to it, I could push through whatever was highly uncomfortable. Even if I was in tears, even if I really actually wasn't taking care of myself to the point of exhaustion, less friend time, Less definitely, less playtime because I perceived that play was a waste of time. Sleep was a waste of time. And yet what I would have so benefited to have heard in my younger age, and even today, that I don't have to work so hard. And that's the same for you. You don't have to work so hard not to receive love not to be in a space of value, but you can relax, you can play, you can take care of yourself and whatever needs are unique to you. So for today, my work looks like me being extra conscious that I have the balance in these skills, that I am doing self-care, that I am creating space for my self-morning practices, that I play in the evening after work, or that I play, allow myself some playfulness in the middle of the day, knowing that this isn't a luxury. This is an absolute necessity. And without it, I burn out. Without it, I get sick. Without it, I don't allow for intimate connection. So if you're a type A busy human who runs around buzzing to, to do more, be more, I would invite you to look at what is this busyness about? 
Like, what, what are you doing this for? Who are you doing this for? How is it serving you? Is it actually moving you in the direction of your goals? Or are you just trying to fill time? I mean, even if you do have a direction, it's not going to get you there, not really anytime faster because you get there and then you're too burned out to experience the joy of being there. The next character we'll talk about is one who manifests themselves as the hero, which is somebody who has this fear that they are powerless or not safe. Now, let me finish. As a result, they are really good at setting boundaries, at creating structure to ensure that they have control or power over a situation. And they're really good at sustaining discomfort or pain, oftentimes in effort to protect another person or themselves. And the challenge here is the need to develop their ability to be vulnerable, to feel what's alive in their own hearts, to feel what is coming up in their own bodies moment to moment, and to really connect with their authentic emotions. So if we think about this character of the hero, this is somebody who can take the danger, the threat, the discomfort, put it aside in order to step into action and protect to save, to do what needs to get done so that they themselves and others are okay, but oftentimes to the detriment of themselves. And the difficulty with letting other people to see them because they're not actually connected with their emotions. So that's your edge. Heroes, learning to feel what is inside you, how your body's responding what your heart wants, to feel these emotions and to be able to communicate them. The next one is the chameleon, which is a commonly referred to character that we think of as someone who can adapt and blend into different people and different environments, or they can manipulate situations to fit what they need. And this stems from an internal belief that they're not enough. So for the person who resonates with this, we can often see that their challenge lies in not knowing who they really are, what's true for them, and oftentimes will absorb other people. And it can be a challenge for them to be honest or to be straightforward because there's this fear that this might threaten their connection with this person or this group. And let me tell you, babe, it's okay to be you. You matter. What makes you so unique is what's going to light up somebody else. And maybe not this group that you're trying to blend in with. And maybe we can all relate to this at some level. You know, thinking about high school and how we're trying to figure ourselves out and how we're looking to other people and we're social learning of how we're supposed to be in this world and to be received. Some of us may have grown out of that, and some of us, this continues to be a survival skill. Now, that isn't to say that you, you're you a chameleon if you dress one way when you go to work and you dress another way when you go to see your parents and you dress another way when you go to the clubs with your friends, because you probably won't even embody the same, same type of personality in those different environments. But are you still true to yourself, your authentic needs and feelings across those situations. And that is the difference. So again, 
Perhaps you need to remind yourself, because I will. It's okay to be you. The next one on our list is also a familiar one to identify with, and this is the character of The Rock. We've heard about this. Um, Perhaps we have a friend who's The Rock, or maybe we are The Rock. And this is somebody who is highly skilled at being able to endure suffering and discomfort for the sake of another person. They're incredibly dependable and incredibly tolerant of quite a lot. And most likely because they pride themselves in being that person that others can lean on, that others can trust the solidity of the container. And that person won't seemingly crumble as this other, as we we just emotionally dump all the shit onto them. But there's often this underlying story that they don't matter and that their needs don't matter. That it's easier to put others before ourselves and ignore that we have needs so that we can hold this for the other person. But the reality is that the rock has needs and feelings. And that's their edge. Learning how to connect with themselves to learn what it is that they want and need so that they communicate and act on this. Lovers, your needs matter. It's amazing that you can hold this space. It's amazing that you can hold others. And let's practice not dropping our own needs for the sake of theirs. What's also interesting about the rock is that sometimes we can see them fall into these patterns of drawing in people that need a lot because that allows the rock to continue to be in this role of being the rock, which makes them feel really valuable. Yes, I can hold you. I can take care of your needs, but then they just keep attracting (laughs) these people who need a lot and it exhausts them but only because they stop tuning into their own needs and allowing themselves permission to vocalize them. So then there's this other character in which we experience as not really threatening or maybe even the quote unquote nice guy or girl, and they can be really good at getting help from other people or even pity for being so nice and being so just not a threat to us, but their narratives about their life tend to have more of a victim slant to them, or they express their struggle with being in the friend zone over and over, and nobody really wants to date me. And there's this underlying belief that they are powerless or helpless and really in need of others because they cannot do it themselves. So the skills that this character needs to develop include learning how to self-soothe rather than always turning to another person and, and learning how to develop personal power to get your own needs met. And that's really very opposite to the person who identifies themselves as the very independent one, the person who believes that they are so alone in this world that they have these skills of competency and being able to take control and take care of themselves. And they really can, right? They can go out there and they don't really need anybody or so they think, but this is often to the detriment of their ability to ask for help or to trust that someone's help would meet them in a way that is meaningful. 
And as a result, it just perpetuates the belief that they're alone because they struggle with letting people in to help them. Oh, I can definitely relate to this of primarily around struggling with the trusting that somebody can meet me in a way that's meaningful. You know, can I ask for help and you to be able to help me in the way that I need it versus either you rejecting that or you putting it off and procrastinating it or you doing it in a way that's meaningful for you, but definitely isn't meaningful for me. So then I end up having to do the thing myself, which ends up expending more energy than, than I wanted to. And then it's just a waste of my time and I should have just done it myself. Does that relate? <laughs> we thrive in this world when we can interdepend on one another, when we can help one another, and when we can learn how to ask for that help in the way that is meaningful for us. So not just giving out these vague clues of how to help us and be there for us and watch them fuck it up, but give them the opportunity to show up by telling them exactly how they can. And to also learn how to trust that ultimately we will be okay. Even if there's some disappointment there or it's not met in the way that we would prefer. It doesn't mean anything about you. You're not really alone. Everybody's just kind of acting in the way that they know best with what they have. And we can help them out there. We can't assume that they know how to take care of us. We have to show other people how to take care of us. The independent character is the one that I see so often in the Western world where we really prize this independence and in taking care of ourselves. Like asking for someone's help is weak or a burden that's going to put them off. Yet really, this is going to block you from having intimate connections. This is going to prevent you from being able to trust. And it's going to spend so much of your energy that you're going to be too exhausted. So if you want to learn how to be in an intimate relationship, then we've got to learn how to lean into the trust, the communication, the asking for help. The next character is the overly emotional character, which is the one in which there's this belief that it's not safe to feel safe. As a result, developed a strong ability to merge into other people or become incredibly sensitive of other people so that they can best meet the needs and desires of them, which is beautiful, right? Don't lose that. Don't lose your sensitivity. That's a gift. When you can tune into other people and know what they need, that's incredible. And you've got to strengthen your ability to set and maintain healthy boundaries. Otherwise, you might find that your energy is leaking everywhere and then you're wondering why you're tired or why people are taking advantage of you. Or if you're going above and beyond for other people because you know exactly what they need and you might grow resentful because they're not meeting you in the same way. Relatable? You've also got to learn how to self-soothe. Rather than just trying to perpetually turn to other people to calm you down when you're activated, because the balance here is key. Emotions are beautiful and it's more effective when we learn how to harness their power rather than allowing them to overrun us. 
You beautiful creature. It is safe to feel safe. But only when you take the time to create that safety for yourself versus making that the job for everyone else. Because that's also not attractive, right? Maybe for somebody who has the role of a rock or somebody who, who loves the, the role of being able to, to take care of you and protect you. But then we can create a relationship that is unhealthy. And oftentimes we lose ourselves in those. We lose our own identity. Or it becomes too much for another person. Maybe it's overexhausting to be the rock all the time. A, because they're not taking the efforts to tune into their own needs, but also holding a lot of space to be able to regulate your own. So again, just come back to the balance. Yoga, therapy, journaling, dancing. And what is it to be able to help us to bring ourselves back to center? And then finally... Some of us, as a result to physical harm or threat to physical harm, may have internalized this belief that we are in danger or that we're going to die. And as a result, we've gotten really good at being invisible or disassociating from our bodies or not being seen with other people, among other people. Or maybe we've become highly sensitive or hypervigilant to our surroundings. Or maybe we have really good, strong defense techniques. Amazing. Because all of this have helped us to survive before. And at the expense of these underdeveloped skills of feeling safe, of being able to ground into our body, of staying present in the moment. So some of my clients who may have struggled with sexual trauma growing up have a difficult time staying in the present moment. They may disassociate from their bodies in sex or if the person in which this happened with was somebody who was intimately close to them. You know, imagine how that would impact their ability every time they started feeling intimacy or closeness with another person. It might activate these internal alarms in their, in their body, in their mind, saying that this is dangerous. And so to pull away or disconnect or just completely shut down in the body. And so to lean into the edge of learning how to stay in the body, learning how to create a sense of safety. Working with an EMDR therapist or a somatic trauma therapist or, or somebody to help you train your nervous system so that this doesn't happen, so that you can stay here. And again, it might be scary. Like any of these characters, it can be scary to lean into that edge and yet it is so critical for that change. So maybe you need to go back through this and hear this again a few times because in what I said holds your personal leading edge of growth. And how do we expand our capacity for intimacy and closeness and love? It's by leaning into the edge of what we know ourselves to be, by being vulnerable and allowing ourselves to be fully seen, by leaning into the discomfort of the skills that we have that are less developed and building new evidence that we are safe. We do matter we are not alone, and we are enough. Or if you're stuck, 
Think again about some of those past painful experiences with your caregivers or your friends or lovers from your early life. Then you can identify the internalized beliefs or these false assumptions about yourself and love, like we talked at the beginning. And then you can identify the defense mechanisms in which you're trying to protect yourself or ways that you've learned to deal with the false assumptions that you identified. And then I want you to examine how these defense mechanisms are preventing real vulnerability and real love. Now, obviously, I'm going to advocate for psychotherapy or EMDR being that myself. But in the meantime, recognize the actions that you take to inhibit intimacy and closeness or latch onto with dear life and get to know how your body responds in these moments so that you can practice communicating them while they are still alive, whether it's by acknowledging them to your partner. Ah, the story that I'm telling myself in my head is that... You know, you won't be there for me if I ask you to, or what's alive for me right now is this fear that you think that I'm too much work for you, or I'm observing myself have a hard time letting you know what I'm feeling because I'm afraid you're not going to want to hear it. Sometimes I personally notice the body reactions and the thoughts, but it still gets stuck in my throat. So it helps me to even have my own inner dialogue or mantra for support. Now, <laughs> I've had situations where I'm sleeping with a partner and feeling like I can't move in the bed because I don't want to disturb them or I don't want to wake them up. And so I'll literally have this conversation in my head and have to tell myself, no one wants you to feel uncomfortable. Nobody wants your legs to ache and you to not get some sleep. You have a right to wiggle around, even if it disturbs them in their sleep. So perhaps you come up with, when you identify what are some of your challenges, even coming up with some of these mantras to tell yourself in your head so they're more easily accessible to you in the moment and you can get unstuck when you find yourself beginning to default. This is a life journey in which we have our entire lives to refine. If you're 52 and just now getting into the personal work and shifting those blocks to love, fuck yeah. If you're 22 and curious as to how you can open your heart to creating healthy love, fuck yeah. It's my highest excitement and honor to hear you and be with you through this journey because I'm human with my own human hiccups, just like you. And we really don't have to go this alone. In fact, I highly recommend that we don't. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends. Please share with your partner and let this become a dialogue for you all that you may support one another in diving in deeper to excavate some of these blind spots and begin to open that bud to receive more love. Want to hear a couple air out their dirty laundry, talk about taboo topics, and share their hot takes on what's happening in the world? Well, OK Babe is the perfect podcast for you to get a glimpse into the unfiltered lives of Kelly and Connor. 
They're passionate about squashing shame and having honest conversations about what's happening within their relationship and how they navigate communication and sex. It's explicit and raw, and they're ready for you. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe now. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.